What's up, boils and ghouls? It's me, your demon dude, Lucifer. And you're listening to 6.66 FM H-O-R-D-E, The Horde. For those of you on the road in your Dragulas, it's a straight shot down the highway to hell. Hands at 10 and 2, unless you gotta take a moment to flip somebody the one. <laughs> I know it's hell out there, so I dug six feet into our library and summoned a little something that's even tastier than a fresh bowl of brains. Today we got the head witch in charge, the Crypt Kitty, the queen of horror herself. I'm talking about none other than Miss Reanimate Her. So stitch those ears back on, cause we're about to pour you a flaming hot cup of that sweet black magic we like to call Coffee Chat of Horrors. And remember, dog will hunt. <laughs> Hi, creepies. I am Reanimate Her. I know, it just sounds like a porno all of a sudden. Some zombies start stripping their clothes off and shit. Cap death. Details later. We got our ball cleavage back, ladies. They're coming to get you, Barbara. They're coming for you, Barbara. Do you want a game and get your jollies off as well? This is Coffee Chat of Horrors. Hello, my creepies, and welcome back to another awesome episode of Coffee Chat of Horrors podcast. I have a super, super special interview for you guys today, a spooky one at that. I got to sit down with Andrea Perron from the Perron family. Now, you may have heard of Andrea. She is a author of five amazing books. She's also the eldest of five siblings in the Perron family. And you may know the movie The Conjuring. Yeah, The Conjuring. Did you know that this film is based off of the Perron family and their paranormal experiences? And we get to sit down for over an hour to discuss Andrea's experiences and her family. So I do hope you enjoy this episode of Coffee Chat of Horrors. Oh, and don't forget about T&E's Creep Week that is happening as we speak. Speak this uh, documentary series Bathsheba, which is based on The Conjuring and the experiences of the Perron family, is going to be live. Yes, it is October 11th, guys. So make sure you check it out. Oh, I want everyone to meet Andrea. Uh, Andrea, you are a author and you have a couple of books out. And <laughs> yes, yes, yes. I have a girlfriend of mine. That knew I was going to be talking to you. She's like, "Oh my god, when can I? When can I see this?" Because she's a big fan of yours. She's got a couple of your books. That's <laughs> her heart. Thank you. Yes. Um, the uh, true story behind the Conjuring is written in a trilogy of books uh, entitled House of Darkness, House of Light, uh, and they are um, that those three books took me seven years to write, and they covered the entire time that we lived at the farm. And going back to prior before we moved there so that the readers can meet my family as a perfectly normal family and then watch the conversion occur from being, you know, natural to supernatural, you know, normal to paranormal. It, it was a, a, a really striking series of events that caused our great awakening. Uh, because ghosts were not on the radar when my parents bought that house. They yeah. were buying uh, an original colonial home, one of the few that are left in this country. And so uh, my mother, you know, being an avid uh, history fan, um, was thrilled and delighted to buy a house that was completed in 1736. Yeah. As it stands now, you know, the land for it was deeded in 1680. There aren't a lot of pieces of property in this country no. that have that provenance, that have that, you know, pedigree. No, not at all. Like that, that's amazing. The houses withstand so many different eras in, the, in American history. Yeah. It has. <laughs> you no, know, and I mean, when you think about it, you know, it was completed as it stands now, 40 years before the signing of the Declaration of Independence. I know. You know it, it went through the Revolutionary War. It survived the Civil War. It survived the Door Rebellion. It survived, you know, countless uh, border skirmishes and all kinds of 
uh, incidents that happened up in the woods of northwestern Rhode Island when it was still a colony trying to establish itself, uh, you know, with some autonomy from Connecticut and the Massachusetts Bay Colony. Um, and and there it stands. Uh, it's a remarkable piece of property. Yeah, a lot of history with that house. I was uh, doing my research like I usually do for my, my web show and uh, was stumbling upon a lot of different history of the home. I was just amazed. Uh, and I know when you guys moved in, nobody, they didn't tell you that any kind of haunting happened at that house. And I know uh, from what a, a law that I read is that they don't have to disclose that information to new home buyers. Right. Well, that's changed a lot. Um, and actually, our home had uh, something to do with that change um, as Good. it's transpired over time. Now, in the state of Rhode Island, if you ask, then the realtor has to disclose, but you have to ask. You have to ask. Well, that's good because, you know, you don't want to have to deal with another one of those uh, paranormal experiences. Uh, right. Yes, it's not a good time for you and your family. Uh, when you, when your family was going through this and uh, 10 years after you guys get out of the house, you moved to Georgia, what, did this affect your relationship with your sisters at all? Did you guys become it closer? all of us. It did. And it affected all of us in um, what might seem counterintuitive ways. Uh, you know, some of us never wanted to leave the farm. I was among that crew. Um, and some of us never wanted to ever go back or look at it or think about it again. Um, my sister Cindy fell into that uh, that tribe. Um, yeah. It fractured our family because my sister Nancy was so angry that my parents sold the house that she went to the new owners who uh, she was their primary babysitter for their kids and offered to stay on as the caretaker while they had work done to the house and they you know, happily agreed. And by the time Nancy joined us um, in Georgia, we had all dispersed, you know, we all had right. apartments or homes of our own and we never lived under the same roof together again as a family. So yeah. in a way it was like the, the end of an era for our family. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's traumatic events that were happening in that home, and that's had to put a strain on the family dynamic in itself. Uh, it did. There was a lot of psychological drama. There was a lot of spiritual growth. Yeah. Uh, there was a, a great awakening. It was a truly enlightening uh, period of time. Um, my mother uh, has often said that she has absolutely no fear of death because she knows that there's something after, you know, that we, yeah. it's not ashes to ashes, dust to dust, that we do go on in some way, shape or form. Yeah. And, you know, I completely agree. You know, I don't want to die in any pain, um, No. but I, uh, I'm sorry. I forgot to turn no. my volume. Up on All my good. Phone. I'm so sorry. Oh, it's always something, right? It's always something <laughs> technology. It's killing me here. We're always right. connected. Yes, we are. Whether we want to be or not, actually. <laughs> exactly. Um, uh, it, it was, um, for me, uh, I consider it the most enlightening period of my life. Uh, it changed the trajectory of my life. Um, when we moved there, I wanted to grow up and be a veterinarian because of my love of animals. Uh, by the time we left there, I had a degree in philosophy and had intended on going forward and getting um, uh, my doctorate in philosophy and being becoming a college professor. Oh, wow. Um, and so it was and it was because I was searching. You know, I was at a very young age. I was reading, uh, you know, all the the best metaphysical writers. I was reading the transcendentalists. I was reading. Emerson, Thoreau, Whitman, Hawthorne, um, wow. you know, I mean, just devouring it, searching for answers of, you know, how could this be? I went through all four years of college without disclosing to anyone I know that I lived in a haunted house yeah. because I had been so traumatized by uh, my high school principal 
um, and threatened with expulsion. And I was a straight A student um, threatened with expulsion for talking about the activity in our house to my fellow students who were fascinated and wanted to discuss it. But then they would go home and they would tell their parents and their parents would call the school and say, you shut her up. And he did so very effectively with not only um, uh, uh, verbal abuse, but I mean, he literally practically put me through a wall. Uh, It was, you know, back in the time when uh, they could get away with stuff like that. Um, It was, uh, you know, I I was traumatized on more than one front. Let's just put it that way. Uh, He was, you know, very, uh, very unkind. Uh, obviously uh, not believing um, what I was sharing with my friends. And that was it. I stopped talking. That's a shame. That is a shame. And you've got to think about the time as well. So ghosts and spirits Mm -hmm. and... Yeah, it was 50 years ago. You know, things were a lot different then. There was no paranormal community. No. At all. In fact, when I was writing the books, I had been so far removed from anything... Uh, you know, uh, uh, supernatural in terms of what was going on in the world. Uh, I didn't know if there would be anybody that would be interested in reading them. Yeah, I really didn't. I was writing it more as a, a, a cathartic work to heal from, you know, long untended <laughs> wounds. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Now I have a question for you when uh, at the house, now that you know what you know now, would you do anything differently? No. No? Nothing differently? No, absolutely yeah. not. No. It. Um, I feel like everything that's happened in my entire life prepared me for this. Right. Uh, prepared me for being the one who brought the truth to light. The one who was willing, and some would say courageous enough, to tell what most would consider a pretty outlandish story. And honestly, you know, had I not lived it, I cannot, I absolutely cannot say with beyond a shadow of a doubt that I would believe our story had I not lived it. Yeah. You know, I took a real leap of faith to do this and to, you know, bring all of the truth out. And, you know, there are actually things, there are a few incidents that happened at the house that didn't even make the books because my sisters uh, were very reticent about including them, whether it was uh, an event uh, that was too extreme or too personal or too painful for them to share. And since then, um, since they have been embraced worldwide, by uh, people who do believe us um they are um less cautious and more willing to share their stories uh and the only time that they withhold is if it's still too raw you know it's just something that they don't want to talk to i mean there were things that happened there that um were you know quite literally life-threatening and life-altering yeah, and I, I, I couldn't imagine being in that situation and having to talk about it. Uh, but hopefully everyone's been able to heal somewhat from their trauma from the past. Have you had any other paranormal experiences outside of that house that now where you are now? Or do you have any senses? Do you feel like anything is attached itself to you? I live with a cranky old ghost named George in the house where I'm in, in Florida. Okay. Um, uh, he doesn't like me much. He's not mean to me, um, but he doesn't like that I'm a feminist. He doesn't like that I swear like a sailor. He does not like the way the house is set up. He does not like the fact that I have not planted a garden like I've got nothing else to do. Um, <laughs> and apparently he's not happy that my entire terrace full of beautiful flowers Um, It's just not enough to please him. And he creates a ruckus in this house from time to time. I also have a lot of uh, extraterrestrial um, things going on too. Uh, A lot of people don't know it, but my first, my personal paradigm shift occurred while we lived at the farm. 
Um, and it changed everything for me. It changed absolutely everything. Uh, and I do credit the spirit activity with opening wide my third eye so that I could begin to see interdimensionally, extra dimensionally, um, that I have uh, not not second sight, but something beyond that. Yeah. Uh, and I always have. I have experiences every day. And God rest her soul. My little sister April died in 2017. And she visits me so regularly that I've resorted to calling her a pest. Ah. Um, she is. And, you know, thank God that I grew up in an environment where I knew that spirit was real. Yeah. Um, you know, so that I could identify her after, I mean, the loss was so profound uh, and it was so sudden and so tragic. And she was only 51. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> you know, thank God I've still got her with me. Uh, I thank God every day that she's still around us. And she uh, she watches over my mother quite a bit. And we always know her by the strong scent of gardenia, the perfume oh, that she yeah. wore. Yeah. Uh, but it's nice getting visits, right? It's like, and just think if you didn't have this experience, you didn't get this knowledge and you didn't have your mind open to it, you wouldn't. I it, might not know that it's her. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I'd still rather have her back, though. You know, of course. I think that, you know, when you're in the, in the paranormal world, that somehow you're less affected by death, the death of a loved one. Yeah. And that simply is not true. That no, not, not at all. It hurts just as badly, whether or not you know you can talk to them through a spirit box or you know they're going to make an appearance now and then. It doesn't matter. Nope. You no longer have that vessel to hold and love. Yeah. And it's a loss. Yes. Um, but it, it and, you know, that's nice that she does stop by and visit. It definitely yeah. is. And I'm so, very sorry for your loss with your sister. Thank you. Thank you. I was, uh, when I was watching the documentary and I get to see some of the real pictures of your family, very adorable family. Like, so cute. You just, you and your sisters. Um, yeah, we were rugrats. We were really tomboys, yeah. you know, and I really do think that moving into that house and bringing this plethora of energy, you know, I mean, five prepubescent little girls who liked to hang upside down from trees and, you know, go yeah. fishing and, and, you know, just play baseball. And, you know, I mean, we were, we were just full of energy. And I think infusing that energy into the house is really what released a lot of the activity that we subsequently experienced. Yeah. Um, you know, and Mr. Kenyon, who we bought the house from, he tried, I think in his own way to let my father know that there was something about that house that was different. Uh, and the day that we moved in and he was moving out on the same day, he took my father for a walk and he said, Roger, for the sake of your family, leave the lights on at night. And my father did not know how to interpret that statement. Right. Uh, and the way that he did interpret it was thinking, okay, this is a big house. There's one bathroom on the first floor. All the girls are sleeping upstairs. If I don't want kids tumbling down dark stairways in the middle of the night, I'd better leave some lights on. That's how it translated yeah. into the pragmatic Virgo mind. But as we lived in that area, and we couldn't even see our closest neighbor's home, you know, I mean, we had 200 acres of land. Uh, but over time, we learned uh, from the people that had been longstanding community members up in that northwest corner of Rhode Island, that there was never a time that they went past that house in the wee hours of the morning that every single light wasn't on in that house wow. at all times. And, you know, I just presumed that that's the way that Mr. and Mrs. Kenyon held the spirits at bay, or at least knew if something was happening, they could see it. You know, they could know what was coming. Um, but, you know, that house had a long-standing reputation as being a haunted house, but nobody told us. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, which is a shame. It's such a sad shame. And so you feel well, that it's not though, because had they told us that the house was haunted, first of all, my father wouldn't have believed it anyway. And, yeah. um, and we might not have purchased the farm. And Probably. I do believe in my heart that it was our destiny to live there. And 
you know, to coexist mm -hmm. the way that we did with spirits for 10 years. And then 30 plus years later for me to reach, you know, dig deep and find the courage to tell the story. And, 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 and that didn't happen until I got to an age and a mindset where I no longer cared what people thought. Right. It was more important to tell the story than <laughs> sorry, I've been talking a lot. No, nope, I bet you have tons of interviews. Um, it was more important to tell the story um, than to avoid the scrutiny. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because you put yourself out there vulnerable, right? You're telling a story that some people look at. Oh, yeah. OK, that really didn't happen or for attention. And it, it, it's it definitely is nerve wracking on your own self and stressful, too. Yeah, but I'm I'm past any of that. Yeah, I really don't care. I mean, I really don't care uh, what people think. Yeah, um, that's not why I wrote this for the people who have had experiences, the people who have been touched by spirit mm -hmm. and it reading these three books um, by all accounts seems to liberate people to speak their own truth. Yeah. And if that's the if that's the purpose that it serves in the world, other than the obvious enlightening all of us to the existence of spirit and a fourth dimension, a fifth dimension and beyond, yes. um, then it has it's served its purpose well. Um, and I think any time that one feels uh, that the constraints have been lifted and they're no longer feeling ashamed or that they're withholding information from their loved ones because they are uh, so fearful of being judged. It seems mm. to um, function in a way that it caused the it causes the dissipation of fear. Yeah. Well, it's it's uh, definitely a lot to intake when you're going through paranormal activity in your house. Uh, and then it, it does the trauma creates the person that you are now and you get to learn a whole bunch of information that most people won't normally learn. You're not going <laughs> to most people's conversations don't talk about paranormals or other realms. Right. Uh, right. Well, <laughs> in my circle, it certainly does. You know, yeah. I, mean, I didn't Same even in mine. know there was a paranormal community worldwide. You know, yes. I found them and they found me pretty quick. And it was their embrace, their loving embrace that have caused all of us to feel like we did the right thing by sharing our story. Oh, yeah. My mother even said, you know, this is not the kind of story that one should rightfully take to the grave. If we lived it, then we have to be brave enough to share it. Oh, I agree. Speak the truth that, you know, let everybody know what you guys have gone through. I completely agree. So do you think your family energy woke something up? on that land that uh, previous people weren't actually seeing just because of family energy is completely different. You've got an entire family love and the energy going on there. You think that awoken something that wanted to attach itself to your family or take over your mom's position? There. It was it was always there. Um, it was their house first. Mm -hmm. uh, we were the intruders. We were the ones that showed up on the scene. Uh, but we brought a boatload of energy with us. Yeah. And, um, you know, I think that uh, based on what I've been told by, you know, people that have lived in that town for their whole entire lives, that house had a reputation well before we arrived. Um, however, it was not spoken about. You know, it was kids that were riding their bikes down Roundtop Road kind of you know, would speed up and get past it, you know, just get past it because it would give them the creeps because they could feel the energy of the house. You know, children are so in tune and, oh, yes. and you know, feel that kind of uh, presence. Um, and it, it was a dark energy, but there was also a great deal of light and love in the house. And there were spirits in that house that were absolutely loving toward us. Um, you know, some benign, but some right. quite benevolent. Um, there was only one spirit in the house that was just hateful to my mother. And um, she was not Bathsheba. You know, none of us believed that she was Bathsheba. In fact, we are pretty certain that it was Mrs. John Arnold uh, who died in um, 1797. And she died long before Bathsheba Sherman was even born. 
sketchy, yeah. but didn't even live in that house, um, even though, of course, there were only a few farms in the area at the time. Huh? And there's no question that the, you know, the few settlers in that area all knew each other, of course, but yeah. um, she did not have any familial connection mm. to uh, to the Arnolds or the Richardson family that actually built the home. Um, but, you know, what she was accused of, um, even though there was an inquest and, and she was let off the hook, what she was accused of, uh, she was tried and convicted for in the court of public opinion. And she lived a long, miserable life. Uh, and, and three of her four children died before the age of four. Yeah. Um, you know, we don't know. We can only piecemeal the history together. Uh, you know, there's no nothing written in great length or detail about right. the lives of these individuals, the colonists, but um, it is, you know, one thing is for certain is that eight generations of one extended family lived and died in that farmhouse. And some of them, for whatever reason, never left. Or if they did, they come back with a certain amount of frequency. There is a profound attachment yeah. to that farmhouse. Absolutely. And oh, it has yeah. persisted to this day. And, um, all of us are touched by spirit routinely. You know, I'm sure as well-versed in the paranormal as you are, that once that door is kicked open, you it's never always can open. close it again. No. Nope. That's right. You can, you can turn your back on it and pretend it doesn't exist. But eventually and inevitably, something is going to reach through and tap you on the shoulder and make its presence known, and there is no escaping it. You know, a human oh. mind expanded does not contract. You cannot unlearn, unfeel, unhear anything that you've ever absorbed into your consciousness. And so in that respect, it did profoundly, significantly, and permanently change every single member of our family. Oh, yeah, definitely. I can see that for sure. Uh, is there any advice that you would give to a family that's experiencing similar happenings in their home? Well, my advice not might not be, um, uh, it might be considered a little bit weird. Um, and that's okay. I yeah, mean, you know, you sure. can ask that question of 20 different investigators or, you know, paranormal, there are no experts in the field. That's a no. fallacy. Um, you know, if my family doesn't have the answers for all of this, there's nobody on the planet that does. We lived for a decade steeped in this environment and we don't know. But what I would say is if it, if the activity in your home is not destructive or uh, in any way, uh, you know, negative uh, or, you know, dare I say evil, if it just is, um, then I would say embrace it and attempt to communicate with it because yeah. very often spirits will act up just simply to get your attention. They just want yeah. to be acknowledged. And once you acknowledge them, they generally settle down or, you know, move on to whatever else they've got going on the other side. Um, but they just want to, you to know that they lived there or they have some attachment to that property. Um, and I've heard many stories of, you know, houses that have either burned or been uh, raised or, or destroyed from floods or whatever, where the activity persists on the property. Right. Um, even if somebody builds a brand new home on that property, suddenly they're like, whoa, 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 what's going on here? This house is haunted. It's brand new. It's like six minutes old and this house is haunted. But yep. it could be the property itself. Definitely. That, that residual energy. Oh, for sure. I believe that energies get left behind or they get stuck for whatever yeah. reason. It doesn't matter yeah, if it's whatever still whatever reason, whatever well, reason it sometimes, is. You know, I've thought a lot about this and. You know, it, it, it seems to me that there could be a number of legitimate reasons why someone who passes away does not, for lack of a better phrase, go to the light. Yeah. And, you know, if they died so suddenly or tragically that they don't even know they're dead yet, if they uh, yeah. took their own lives and because of their own religious beliefs are afraid to go to the light, uh, fearful that it is, you know, the fire and brimstone of eternal hell and damnation. You know, there are a number of reasons why um, I think it's it's plausible that a spirit would remain earthbound. Um, you know, people often get uh, all caught up in trying to identify who the spirits were. And we only yeah. had one spirit in the house that ever self-identified. And it was the little boy that my sister April would play with. Yeah. Um, they were like roughly the same age. Um, but for myself, speaking just for myself, 
um, it doesn't matter to me who they were in life, that they still are in afterlife. That's what matters to me. Yeah. You know, because that is the epiphany. That is the enlightenment. That is the proof of an afterlife. That, as far as I am concerned, is empirical evidence of an afterlife. And yeah. I think that the existence of spirit should comfort everyone. Uh, and it should. It should. But a lot of people are definitely afraid of it. And science doesn't seem to help. We don't understand. We fear what we don't understand. Yeah. Oh, you I know, completely agree. Mm-hmm. I definitely agree with that. Have you guys, have any of your family been back to the house since? Yes, many times. Yep, absolutely. Many times. I've gone back more than anybody else. My mother has never gone back. She said from the day we moved out of that house, she would never return to that property. And, you know, we left in 1980. So you do the math. Yeah. You know, it's been a long time and she will never return to that house. My sister, Cindy, when we were filming Kindred Spirits there a couple of years ago, had an altercation with the spirit that was so bad that she will never go back to the to the farmhouse wow. ever. Yeah. Um, Chris, and yet, you know, it's interesting because you know, Christine walked into the house that day that we all went. My mother didn't go, but the rest of us were there. And April was with us in spirit because Chip Coffee was there. And he's like, uh, there's five girls getting out of that car. And Cindy just looked at him and she's like, yeah, of course, Chip. April came with us. Of course she did. Yeah. Um, and he saw her. Um, oh, wow. But uh, yeah, I know. Uh, but, you know, she came as a protective influence, but she couldn't protect Cindy from you know the malignant entity that went to battle with cindy in that house um yeah. and she will never go back but and yet christine walked in and she just looked at me and she said you know Anne, this feels like a cold dead house to me i don't feel anything nothing oh wow now, so how can we be in the same place at the same time with the same energy and yeah. have completely disparate reactions to it it seems utterly counterintuitive yeah uh, but it's not because each one of us processed those experiences in an entirely individualized way yes and it you know profoundly altered each of us but in um in, in incredibly different ways you know i for me it made me a, a much more deeply spiritual person right absolutely yeah you grown and quite from a bit. my mother as well and from my mother as well my mother moved into that house being virtually an atheist and right. she left a believer she did and i'll tell you why when all hell broke loose in that house one thing and one thing only stopped it every single time and that was invoking the name of god and asking for uh for assistance asking right. all you had to do was say god help me that's all you had to do and whatever it was stopped that's good. So there it is. Yeah. And that will turn anybody into a believer, right? Like yeah. right there, just to be in the middle of it in the thick of it and then use those words, God help me, and actually seeing and you being it. helped. You have to it, mean it. it. Yeah, for sure. Just, you know, you know, Mrs. Warren came into that house and she tried to teach all of us to say her mantra. Um, and she did. And her mantra was in the name of Jesus Christ, go back to where you came from, right. leave us in peace. And so we all memorized it, but it didn't work because all we were doing was trying to remember exactly what she told us to say, not feeling it, you know, but when you're in crisis and you're terrified and you say, oh, dear God, please help me. And you mean it. Right. That was it. It was over. Yes. You have to have that passion, yeah. that, that faith behind it as well. Yes, exactly. Did Ed and Lorraine Warren help at all with? The, they wanted to. They wanted to. I, I really believe that they wanted to. Mrs. Warren told me 40 years after the fact, when I saw her a few months before the premiere of The Conjuring, uh, Warner Brothers uh, invited us out to Hollyweird to um, have a sneak preview of the film, you know, a private screening. Right. And, and she told me then that um, she and Ed had no idea but that they were in over their heads the moment they crossed the threshold of right. that house. They had no idea what they were dealing with there. And on his deathbed, you know, Ed begged Lorraine to make sure that the story got told. He, he said, uh, you know, he went down on record as describing it as, in his own words, the most intense, most disturbing, 
most um, significant uh, investigation that they ever conducted. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's very uh, feisty <laughs> investigation. Yeah. They wanted to help. They, they right. really, I really do believe they wanted to help our family. Um, but unfortunately, between uh, Lorraine's um, own gifts and uh, Ed's passion for wanting to plunge right in, mm. it kind of stirred up the energy, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Plus you know, the house was like relatively dormant before they showed up. My mother had no idea who they were when they showed up at the door. Yeah, you know, that's just one of the, you know, uh, discrepancies in the film. Um, yes. she, had, she never sought out anybody to come help. Um, <gasps> she didn't know who to seek out. She didn't know where to look. She didn't discuss it with anyone. You know, it was kind of like our big family secret. And, right. you know, when they showed up, um, it was, uh, you know, she felt a sense of relief that, you know, perhaps these were somehow authorities that she could share her experiences with and yeah. my father had the polar opposite reaction he thought that they were there to exploit our family that they were there to you know um just basically build their own reputation on our family's back right um and he to this day um felt like they were not to be trusted um but my mother really did think that they wanted to help they right. just didn't have the the tools in the toolbox yeah and um, you know that's just and nobody can blame them for that you know you can um, come into any situation with the best of intentions and have it backfire on you you know that's the nature of life that it is and yeah that it is and yeah. you know the energy from miss warren herself is pretty strong that could also have caused issues within the house, the entity in the house, right? Because she's being so strong and powerful. Yeah. And they lay dormant to the most part until they came in. And then things just started oh, to no. pick up. No, that's not true. We had some major manifestations M occur. Major ones. To their arrival. But it had been relatively quiet for okay. a couple of months right. when they showed up you know where i mean it would every now and then there would be a period of dormancy um almost like they were hiding waiting in the wings uh and it would give us a false sense of security like maybe this is over like this isn't going to happen anymore it's done and then boom you know right. it was all over again you know so and you never knew there was no predicting it at all yeah um, it was uh you know we we lived in a and a, a state of being that was like an alternate reality. We lived in a, you know, with a persistent, pervasive sense of timelessness. We never knew what was going to happen next. We never knew if we were in 1972 or 1846 or 1797, or yeah. you know, we never knew based on who was going to show up at any given time. And sometimes they appeared as full body apparitions and sometimes they appeared as swirling balls of smoke. And sometimes they mm. would just pick up a bottle and throw it across the room. Um, you know, I mean, right. you just never knew they would manipulate our technology. They would change the channel on the TV. You could literally see the channel change on the TV. And it was the old TVs where yep. you had to get it, up there and turn the dial <laughs> and turn the dial. You know, they would do the same thing with the stereo if we were playing music they didn't prefer they would put it on another channel uh they would rock in the rocking chairs they would walk up and down the stairs they would open and close the doors they would turn the lights on and off but that was the mild stuff right. that was the stuff that we got used to like you know relatively quickly um but there were there were major incidents in that house that were uh life-threatening and life-altering for all of us all of us yeah yeah is there anything um, memorable from the house that isn't attached to the paranormal? I know everyone circles around to what it was like living there, but is there anything set aside that was memorable for you? Oh, many things. It was um, a blissful, pastoral, bucolic setting with virgin forest, 200 acres of land, a river, uh, a beautiful fishing pond, an old cellar hole. And I mean, 
it was uh oh my god it was like a trip to bountiful in terms of being able to have all of this land to to live on and explore and yeah walk along the tops of the old um uh stone walls and play in the barn and you know we had horses and we had a, a cow and we had a couple of pigs and we had horse you know cats and dogs and i mean it was just an animal haven um, and it was a wonderful way to grow up, an absolutely wonderful experience growing up. Yeah, it looked like it from pictures that I seen uh, from from its past and then present, and, and it looked like it was a beautiful place, nice yeah, acreage, you know, is. lake, everything. Yeah, I know. I've yeah. seen some recent pictures of it because of the new couple that lives inside that house, they're experiencing stuff as well. Yes, quite a bit yeah quite a bit and they've allowed you know that house was off limits for a long time and when they bought it they started letting investigating uh investigative groups con conduct uh their research there and the compilation of evidence that has come out of that house yeah. in the last two and a half years is absolutely amazing because you know when we lived there uh we didn't have any of those tools or gadgets or gizmos. I mean, no. God almighty, you know, uh, microwaves hadn't been invented yet. We were still using a percolating coffee pot. You know, it was a, just a different time, a different era. You know, nobody knew what a paranormal investigator was. No such thing existed. No. Um, and, uh, you know, or, or barely, I mean, yes, Hans Holzer and, and the Warrens, but that was pretty much it. And, uh, you know now everybody's got a paranormal team and everybody's you know going from one site to the next and uh the stuff that has been picked up at that farm the evps the disembodied voices the photographs the audio the video evidence has been extraordinary um and but i can also tell you that sometimes the spirits get annoyed uh they don't like it if there's too many people in the house at one time um, you know, they feel, uh, you know, a bit put upon in terms of that. Um, and I get on the phone with some of these teams because I know so many people in the field now and they'll just put me on speakerphone and I'll talk to the spirits and I'll introduce them. Yeah. Be nice. You know, be nice. Don't be rude. Don't be mean. You know, don't try to scare anybody. If you want to talk to them, just communicate with them in a civil way. And and you know it'll all be fine don't be afraid you know just have your experience of the energy of the consciousness of that house that yeah. house has its own consciousness it is truly an amazing place on this planet and i'm happy for all the people that have had the opportunity to experience it in the last couple of years uh, because before that it lingered only in their imaginations and now yeah. they've felt the weight of their own feet um causing the the wide slap boards to creak beneath their weight um you know that that is an amazing sensation um and it is truly a piece of history but it's even so much more than that yeah and so i'm i'm delighted that uh, people have had the opportunity to go in there and experience it for themselves and it's not because it just you know validates and vindicates everything that i've written or that my family has disclosed i really don't care yeah you know, i really don't how people respond or react to our story i really don't um yeah i didn't you know i'm not here for everyone i didn't write this for everyone um it's not about that it's not about validation it's not about anything but a compilation of evidence that is second to none. Yeah. And and they may get their own experience that will open themselves up to even yes. evolving even further, right? Fair. So Yep. Yep. Yeah, one of these yeah. days I'll make it to the United States and see that house. <laughs> well, you've got your finger on the pulse. You do. Yes. Uh I don't know how much more time you have. I know I don't want to keep you all night and you have a few more interviews probably. Uh, no, you're my last one for the day and I would be happy to answer any further questions that you have, my dear. Um, what country are you in? I'm in Canada. Oh, you're in Canada. Yes. Well, that's why you look so groovy. You know, people in Canada <laughs> are like so ahead of the curve, <laughs> really. Yeah. 
Oh, it's it's getting cold here now, but yeah, one day I will, I'll head out there and I'll be able to see that house. Um, well, hopefully the borders will open pretty soon. That would be delightful. Yeah, that's a whole other whole other thing that keeps me away. Crazy yeah. pandemic. Yeah, I know. Now, besides April having a friend, she had that little boy. Was there uh, anybody else here th that you guys made a relationship with besides April? Uh, I would say yes. Um, I felt a particular kinship with a female spirit in the house, and so did my sisters. And she would be the one that would walk through the upper floor late at night when we were all drifting off to sleep and she would lean over and just lean down over us as though she was kissing our foreheads and none of us ever remember her making contact like physical contact but she was sweet and she smelled like flowers and fruit and oh. you know i don't know if it was like her own homemade uh like a perfume that she made or, or whatever but she was very kind toward us and very watchful over us, the children. Um, and so we we don't know who she was. You know, we have right. no name attached to her. But she made the rounds every night, even after my mother had already done so and was long gone and back downstairs. And, you know, we knew it wasn't our mom because mom always smelled like ivory soap. Yeah. You know, that was mom's scent was ivory soap um and and this was not um and the um the male spirit that my sister called manny um he was like a peripheral member of the family you know you could spot him at any given time of day or night uh usually always in the same front foyer hallway or just inside the door to the dining room um but the most compelling experience i think that any of us ever had well the seance was a disaster the seance was the seance almost clear you know claimed my mother's life right uh, um, whatever it was that came through had i think all the power that it could have ever needed to kill her it didn't want to kill her it wanted to make its presence known to the warrens and it did so and to everyone else that was present in that house but a couple of months after that happened and thankfully, my mom has no recollection of that event. Everybody else that was there certainly remembers it, but mom doesn't, and I'm grateful for that. Um, but um, a couple of months later, it was in October uh, of 1974, uh, my mom came out of her room, and she'd really kind of been wasting away. She was living on coffee and cigarettes. She was losing a dramatic amount of weight. She seemed kind of vacant and distant and you know, just not with us, as it were. And she came out of her room and I was it was late at night and I had made dinner for my sisters. I remember distinctly I made beef stew and uh, was and put it in the fridge when it was done. Um, when dinner was served and got the girls off to bed and I was doing my homework and I was 15, about 16 at the time. And mom came out of her room and she asked what i had made for dinner and i told her and she said i'm hungry and i was delighted you know because she looked like she was starving to death yeah. and um i said well i'll go warm you up a bowl of soup and and she or a bowl of stew and she said and and a short pot of coffee and i said mom you know it's 11 o'clock at night you want coffee that's when she started calling it the nectar of the gods um and so i went through the the house was shut down you know our dining room was completely shut down there was nothing going on the lights were were down the lights were off in the dining room and i had to go all the way through the house all the way through the front foyer and the kitchen into the pantry and you know warm there were no microwaves i had to warm right. up a bowl of stew and make a pot of coffee in the farberware pot and peanut zip it mom's on the on you know this um and uh oh god dad grab her please i'm oh, sorry i'm so sorry oh no like, it's all good i can't i have I my own peanut. You, do, you have your own okay yeah that's he's totally cool my little that's chihuahua my buttercup my little princess <laughs> peanut buttercup who's being a little melty right now and i don't know why um so but anyway um 
my mom reached over into the wood box and picked up a large uh, piece of wood and threw it on the fireplace. And she heard laughter behind her and she turned around and she looked into the dining room and there's an entire family sitting having dinner in the middle of our dining room oh, wow. and the fireplace that had been sealed shut and the center chimney had been removed like a hundred years before we moved into the house and it was open and there was a fire burning and there was a woman in a full-length dress that was stirring a pot of stew. Now, I don't know if it was the beef stew that I had made that triggered that in some weird way yeah. or what, but she turned and she looked into the room and there's the woman, there's two kids running around the table. The, it was a hand-hewn oak table with benches on both sides. None of the furniture was ours. And there were two men sitting on the other side of the table and they had pewter steins in them which is indicative mm -hmm. of the 1700s because pewter was outlawed for use um with you know food products and, yeah. and plates and stuff by the 1800s because of the lead content and um she just stared at them like she couldn't believe what she was seeing and one of the men turned and he looked at her and then he nudged the guy beside him and he pointed her out and she was the ghost Oh, and wow. all of a sudden, she's like, wow, okay, great. Now I get it. Now I get it. You know, now, I mean, she was looking into the past. Yeah. They were peering into the future. And two dimensions had uh, simultaneously joined yeah. for a few moments. And then I came walking through with a tray of food and they were gone. Wow. You know, what an experience. And, that, was, that was the moment where everything turned around for her and she started to reintegrate with the family where it finally all made sense where she didn't feel like she was losing her mind where whatever you know whatever it was that was oppressing her or um you know making her life difficult trying to infiltrate her just gave up and went away that was it it was over wow in that moment yep that's amazing yep. what what an experience yeah it really wow. is. And I think that that story has a lot to teach all of us that work in this field. I yes. really do. Yeah, that is, that, yeah, that's amazing. That is definitely an experience. Um, yeah. I know you and your family went through a lot of not only just with your entities and the energies in the house, but with your, your peers, you know, looking, yeah. you know, some of them believing you, some of them not believing you. So it had to be really hard growing up, especially going to school. Uh, in the same small town. Yeah, it was, you know, some of them had experiences at the farm that they talk about to this day. Some of them came regularly and never had a single experience at the farm. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, it's, there's no, I don't think there's any way, you know, to say that, you know, one either attracted it or the other repelled it. I, you know, I don't know if it's just like, you know, a big, huge crap shoot in, in an infinite universe. I don't know. Um, but it, uh, yeah, there were a lot of, uh, our friends, um, who probably learned more about, uh, the supernatural world than they ever intended to, yeah. uh, but then again, you know, then they would talk about it and then the scrutiny would shower down on us. And so, you know, it just got to the point where the best thing to do was not to discuss it at all. Yeah. Um, which is a shame, you know, because a lot of these kids lived in very old houses in the area. And they had activity in their own houses and they felt like they could talk to us about it. Oh well, yeah. It, you know, it was, uh, it was a different time and it was a taboo subject yes. uh, in the extreme. Um, oh, yeah. So, you know, it was, uh, it was very easy to be judged and ridiculed, uh, berated and dismissed. Um, so it was, if you wanted to have any kind of, uh, acceptance socially it was best to keep your mouth shut yeah yeah and and it's sad it's sad and if it was nowadays <laughs> you'd be the popular kid <laughs> if yeah. it was nowadays because it now that's a thing people believe in it people there's you still got your skeptics and and all of that they're like yeah that doesn't exist but you've got more people now having experiences and knowing more about it um so people don't get picked on as much it's definitely well, a hard I time. Hope, I would hope not. You know, when I think about, you know, children are so sensitive to, uh, you know, I don't think that a veil exists. I think that's a machination. It's a human construct so that we can feel safe 
in what we perceive to be a three-dimensional five sensory realm but that's not the truth of our existence we live in a multi-dimensional universe so you know i think of the little kids that you know maybe over the course of time have come out of their bedrooms in the morning and go running to mommy or daddy and say grandma visited me last night and read me a bedtime story and that child is immediately shut down immediately yeah. told that it's it's just a figment of her imagination it was just a dream that she had that can't possibly be your grandma died before you were born you know and instead of asking the appropriate questions which would for me would be Oh my God, you saw grandma last night? What was she wearing? Did she right? ask about me? What story did she read? How long did she stay? Tell me everything that you remember. You know, I mean, to me, that would be the um, natural approach to a supernatural encounter. Yeah. If you raise your children to be honest, and then they try to honestly impart such pertinent information to you, why not believe them, you know, or at least give them the benefit of the doubt? Yes, I know children have active imaginations, yeah. but when they come to you with a story that's full of detail and full of, you know, and they've only seen maybe a photograph of their grandmother, mm -hmm. and yet they can describe her in great detail, I think it's a safe assumption that grandma visited and read them a bedtime story. I agree. I definitely agree. My my little one, when she was little, she tell me all the time she's seen grandpa. She was only like four months old when my grandpa passed away, so she wouldn't remember him. And then at two mm -hmm. years old, she comes out and she starts telling me about it. And I'm like, yeah. And I ask her questions about it. I think we're yeah. all open when we're born. We're all we all got that recept that we're open. Yeah. Uh, it's yeah. the adults and religion shut that it shut it down. And we grow up with the wall that we now have to break down in order to reconnect that realm I, I couldn't agree with you more i think that's an exact um a, analogy that is so profound and important for people to assimilate you know to yeah. absorb that um because really we do uh come into this world i think with a vast amount of knowledge that is programmed out of us as fast as we can begin to walk and talk yeah. Oh, I agree. Because school does it as well. You can't say you have a pretend friend or an imaginary friend, which most of the time those imaginary friends aren't imaginary and they're actually there. That's right. So everything right. pushes you it know. out of you. Mm -hmm. I know. And it's because the fear of adults that they suppress these experiences in children. Yeah. And just think where the world would be if we opened up to that and allow it yeah. to evolve, right? How we would evolve and what we would be doing nowadays instead of what we're... Yeah. Currently, yeah. We're getting there slowly, but surely I think that humanity, yeah, way too slowly, but you know, I do believe that we're in the process of, uh, you know, humanity at large is in the process of some form of spiritual ascension that, uh, you know, this is the great awakening. This is the paradigm shift. We are a time of, uh, of enlightenment and, yeah. um, you know, all we can do is do what we do, what you do, what I do, and countless others to forward the momentum uh, and to open people's third eyes wide. Mm -hmm. Yes, because yeah. if the, if more people utilize their own intuition and their own sight, because we all have it, every animal is also do. born with it as well. Yeah. So yeah, if we just are. evolve a little bit more as humans and start utilizing what's within us already. Yeah. Yeah, Definitely. It would be to our great benefit, I believe. I truly do. Yes. Yes, but it would also be. to tap into empathy. You know, I mean, we've all gotten to a point where uh, we feel like there's this separation between mm -hmm. us. And I've always maintained that when we achieve a true realization of oneness is when we will make our great giant leap forward. Yeah. Uh, when, you know, come to an understanding and an awareness that we are all one human race and that spirit and, you know, mere mortals are integrated, that mm -hmm. we are all surrounded by spirit all the time. It cracks me up when people say, oh, I want to go to this house and investigate and that house and investigate. You don't have to go anywhere to investigate no. any more than you have to do anything than walk out your front door to have an experience with the galactic family. Yeah. All you have to do is ask. Exactly. It, it yeah. couldn't be any easier than it is we're the ones that complicate it that we are that we are we are an antenna and our light our energy is is this beacon so all you all you have yeah. to do is ask and 
you shall receive. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, I wish more people were open up to it, but we will get there. I, I believe that as well, that there's a big energy shift that already happened and people are already feeling it within the beginning of this year. So I think it's yeah. more and more people are going to slowly feel that shift and ask yeah. questions about that shift. Right. And then gravitate to those of us that are, are already where that has already occurred or is well underway. Yep. Mm -hmm. um, and that's when we get to be the guidance and the support. You know, I don't perceive myself to be some kind of oracle or or anything uh, other than a humble messenger. I'm just one of many who have had uh, truly enlightening experiences in this life. And I'm just willing to talk about it. Yeah, that's the only difference. And that's that, that strength. That's power. That, and that's good. You bring light to stories and other people will also bring light to what they, because there's lots of hauntings. There's lots of paranormal activity that go on. Not many speak about it because again, yeah. they're worried about what people think of them being called liars or skeptics. And you know, that's definitely enough to shut somebody yeah. up. Yeah, it is. We need to stop. Uh, we need to stop cutting each other off at the knees and maybe listen a little bit more. Yes. Um, well, yeah, it's having that empathy. How many people don't have empathy, right? They can't put themselves in the other person's shoes to see what they're dealing with so that maybe you can help them instead of, you know, being all aggressive. Yeah, I know. It's uh, we're uh, we're in a world of flux. Um, and on the other side of this, I think we'll be living in a better world. And that's my intention. My intention is is pure and good you know set the vision hold the vision of what you want this world to be and focus your thoughts on that uh because thoughts are things oh yes and you know on the other side of this we will have raised the vibration of this entire planet just telling our little ghost stories just yep. you know talking about uh, the uh the infinite possibilities in an ever expanding universe. Yes, definitely. Yeah. Now, now you were telling me about George earlier. That is your spirit that hangs out with you. Was he at this place when you moved to your current home or did he follow you yeah. from somewhere? So he was no, attached no, to the he house. This, he built this house. He didn't die in the house. Right. Uh, he had a stroke here and died at the hospital. Mm -hmm. But he built this house. And so, you know, his energy really, is there. It, his energy is in everything. There. All the yeah. wood, nails, screws, everything that he put together, his energy is left yeah. in there. Yeah. We're coming to terms of endearment, though. We are. Sometimes you know, it takes a little I bit. Leave, it does. And, you know, I, I feel certain that by the time I leave this house, he will be a bona fide feminist. <laughs> I feel absolutely certain that we, you know, we're going to work out our differences. <laughs> Um, you know, he does raise some hell in the house. Sometimes he makes a lot of noise, um, you know, but I have other spirits that that interact with me as well. And sometimes it's not so easy to identify them. Usually I can identify him, though, because he'll pass through the hallway here um, and yeah. he's, he's kind of hunched over. He had uh, uh, the like a, a spinal disorder that caused him to walk over. Um, you know, kind of hunched over, like yeah, hunchback. You know what I'm talking. I can't think of the word osteoporosis. Thank you. Oh, and, oste um, okay, yes. Yeah, and so when I see his shadow figure, I know that it's him. But I have a lot of activity in this house. I have a lot of activity that surrounds me all the time. Yeah, um, which is why I love going back to the farm, because at least I feel like what's going on around me is more identifiable. It feels very familiar, um, and uh, and I miss them. Yeah, I do. I miss them. You know, they have a profound attachment to the farm. It was their house first. That's that why was. my mother always said, "Be, you know, be respectful. Be yes. respectful. Always be respectful." Yeah. Oh, it, it's and been never, ever, ever provoke. No, you not don't want to provoke them. No, not at all. Definitely, there's people who do. But... Yes, there are, <laughs> and I, woe be unto them. And how foolish are they? Yes, definitely. You know, because they do eventually find out that it's all fun and games until someone gets hurt. Yeah, that is very true. Very yeah. true. Um, it is. We're going to wrap it up. So I know you have to eat supper. My supper is going to be done here soon. Thank you yeah. so very much for being on 
my show. Uh, I cannot wait to see the new documentary. And are there any any other things in the works for you for the future? Any other books, new books, or movie deals, or looking to get into another movie? There's so much going on. We'd have to do a whole nother show for me to catch you up. In fact, I was on the phone the other day with one of my producers and I said, you know, we need to rename our company Global Pandemic Productions because we have gotten so much accomplished in the last 18 months. It's ridiculous. That's amazing. Yeah, I do have a, a new documentary coming out. Probably won't be out until the spring. Uh, but it's it's an international distribution uh, all about the galactic family. I have to go back out to the Roswell crash site in a couple of weeks and finish filming that. Um, But uh, I was in uh, Joshua Tree National Park a couple of months ago doing the first part of it. Now we have to put our tail end on. Um, And I have a number of things. irons in the fire as it were right and i know i'll be uh i'll be happy to join you again in the future and fill you in on everything oh that would be very awesome i would love that love that thank you again for taking the time out of your day to do this interview i i greatly appreciate it uh it truly is yeah and i i'm excited to see where your future goes as well i've been following here and there and uh checking things out so i'm excited for you I'm very excited about this documentary, Bathsheba. Oh, yeah. Uh, I know it airs in Canada on October 11th yep. on, uh, during Creep Week on yep. uh, T&E. Um, uh, I've seen it, and I'm so proud of it. You know, it's literally the first documentary. Honest to God, it's literally the first one, and there's been a slew of them. Yes, that, there has. You know, did actually strive to tell the truth and succeeded. That's um, good. You know, that... Uh, our input as a family was honored and respected. We were treated, you know, with with true compassion and love by a, an extraordinary team of women that we worked with, um, and not just the producers from Cream, but also uh, the promoters of it as well. I mean, wonderful people who really had our best interest at heart. Uh, and wanted the truth, you know, right. believed us that the truth is stranger than fiction, that, you know, this is a story that should be told accurately, you know. Um, yes. Uh, I will always be appreciative um, and truly in their debt. And uh, I'm honored to have worked with all of them on this production. I'm very, very proud of the outcome. That's great. Yeah, no, it, it was definitely a good documentary. I got to see a review copy of it. I cannot wait for it to come because I spoke to my community about it and they're really mm-hmm. excited about this new documentary. Uh, it, you can tell they took great care in talking to you guys and, and getting the information. So they did your story justice instead of just filling it up with a bunch of clickbait stuff. Yep, absolutely right. I'm very, very happy with the outcome. That's great. That's great, and I'm excited to see it, and I'm excited to see what you do in the future. Thank you. Ah, stay tuned, darling. Stay yes, tuned. Yes, <laughs> will do. And, yeah, I will definitely get in touch with you to, about coming out, back onto my show to talk about your stuff in the future. Thank you. I appreciate it. Just reach out anytime I'm here. Will do. Thank you so very much. You have a great night. You have fun too, on sweetie. E.T. Ah, thank okay, you. <laughs> Bye. Bye. All right, my creepies. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Coffee Chat of Horrors. Make sure to check us out over on YouTube under Reanimator, our live broadcasting and taping of Coffee Chat of Horrors every Sunday at 9.30 a.m. Mountain Time over on twitch.tv forward slash Reanimate Her. And if you want to be on my show or have a suggestion for the show, make sure you contact me at biz, B-I-Z, at reanimateher.com. Also, you can check me out on all of the following social media. TikTok as Reanimate Her, Instagram, which is the horrorgram, at Reanimate Her, and on Twitter, Reanimate Her with an underscore after the R. All right. Enjoy yourselves, and I will slash us all later. Bye-bye.